you would, please open up your Bibles, if you've got them along, to 2 Timothy, in the T section of the New Testament. If you get into the New Testament, you'll find the 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Titus, and 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. And I'm just going to warn you, I, uh, I usually put decaf at this point in, and I accidentally put regular. So, <laughs> get ready. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 10. 2 Timothy 3.10. Paul is writing to his brother in Christ. Actually, he calls him a son. Somebody who walked with him and who he mentored. And he's writing Timothy this letter. And Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, You, Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You can underline that if you like, or maybe not. While all evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the gift of Your Word, for the ways that Your Word goes to work on our hearts and minds, opening us up, correcting and encouraging. Lord, would You pour out Your Spirit once again? Would Your Spirit be and overflowing as, as I share, Lord, pour your spirit into me, empty me of myself, and fill me to overflowing that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our salvation. And all God's people say together, <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Here I go. <clears throat> well, we're in the second sermon in our series on spiritual disciplines and just a little bit of a recap or a reminder because we have to kind of be grounded when we start talking about this as pastor greg preached last week spiritual disciplines or faith practices help us live out our faith or live into a deeper relationship with god these practices help us know god more intimately now remember god knows you <laughs> God knows you, every cell. He created you. He knows your thoughts and your intention. He knows all of us totally and completely. He loves us. Spiritual disciplines help us to know the Lord. They're disciplines that by practicing them, we can grow in our relationship with Him. What they don't do is save you or save you more than you've already been saved by God. Because how does salvation happen? little recap, Romans chapter 10, 9 through 10. Romans 10, 9 through 10, you can write these down. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And we must keep before us that truth that we are not saved by our works or the things that we do. Amen? But by a gift from God, as Ephesians chapters 2, chapter 2, 8 through 9 tells us. You can write that down too. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. <clears throat> I say all of this because our sermon series of spiritual disciplines should not, should never, cannot fall into do these things and you'll be saved. Or you'll be saved more. Or you'll please God in new ways. Or you can win favor with God or jewels in your crown. It's not true. God saves you as a gift. Now, do you want to know this, Lord, more? Do you want to grow in your understanding of who he is, of why he has given you such a gift, and how you can respond in gratitude to that gift? Well, then spiritual disciplines can help us grow in that relationship with the one who saves us and frees us and fills us and forgives us and provides for us. So are we clear of the distinction there? Okay. Within this text, there are two things that I want to lift up, 10 through 17 in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this is kind of prior to us getting into the topic of today. The spiritual discipline for today is meditating, reading, focusing your life on God's Word. It's about reading the Word of God as a discipline in your life. Before we get into that, there are two things that come out of 2 Timothy chapter 3 in the first verses, because verses 15 through 17 are really the focus of reading God's Word and the benefit. But prior to that, there are two things that highlight the importance, not only of reading God's words as a spiritual discipline, but actually practicing as many disciplines as you can. <laughs> Again, not to impress God, but to grow in relationship. And so I want to focus on two verses before we dive into those bottom verses, 15 through 17. And those are the ones I want to look at now are verses 10 12. The Apostle Paul, as I said, writing to Timothy, says in verse 10, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. My aim in life, my faith, my steadfastness. Verse 10 is a great reminder of why we want God's Word front and center of our life. Okay? Paul talks about his aim in life. Paul's life, his focus is on one thing, Jesus Christ. What's your aim? What is your life aiming at, looking at? What are you focused on, your heart and your mind? What's your aim? Now, if you don't know, I really like to hunt. I'm a, I'm a hunter. And I'm acutely aware of my aim. <laughs> of my aim. The spot on an animal that is the cleanest shot, the least traumatic, the highest likelihood for it. What I'm aiming at matters. I just don't do the da 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 I've never really had to track a deer. I've never lost a deer. If I don't have a clean shot, one where I know where my aim is, where my shot will be good, I don't take the shot. Aim. It's an important thing in hunting and in life. Paul tells Timothy, hey, I have an aim. I'm focused on something. My faith is directed towards one thing, Jesus Christ. It is living a life in Christ 
and for Christ. What's your aim in life? The world will tell you to aim for fame or success or popularity. Lots of likes on social media, lots of friends on Facebook or followers on Insta. Is that right? I don't even, that's how, that's how into it I am. Aim for power or money. But it's all fleeting, isn't it? It's all empty. God desires so much more for you. And He longs to give you your life purpose and meaning, both an abundant and an eternal life. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is in the middle of His Sermon on the Mount. And in verses 19-21 of Matthew 6, Jesus says this truth. He says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth <laughs> where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth, moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, what? There your heart will be also. Huh? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. This reminds us again that what we're aiming for, where your treasure is, Right? There your heart will be. What you treasure, what you aim for matters. And today the Apostle Paul tells us, aim, keep your aim, your eyes on the Lord. How do we do that? Through spiritual disciplines. And one of the greatest spiritual disciplines that we're given is reading and studying and being in the living Word of God. Amen? So verse 12. Paul reminds us why having that aim, keeping one's focus on the Word of God, is so important. He reminds Timothy and all of us, says this. Basically in 12 he says, it's not going to be easy this here life. Anybody know that? Verse 12, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, what does it say? Will be persecuted. Things, things are going to be difficult. Anybody not had difficulties in this life? We'd all like to meet you up later. Out in the parking lot. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, the reality is, is that we all feel that, don't we? In different ways. We've all had our issues and our troubles. Life can be very, very disappointing. And Paul tells Timothy, buckle up. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus reminds his disciples of this. He says, I've said these things to you that in, in me you may have peace. In the world, You'll have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. We live in a broken, broken world. Life is fragile, and it is difficult, and relationships are hard, and this world can be full of trouble. And on top of that, we have an enemy. You know that? The devil wants to undermine faith and hope life and will use every hard, tragic, difficult tribulation to pull you away from the Word of God. His truth about whose you are. Living out your faith won't win you popularity contests. Instead, it's going to bring trouble, Jesus says. This is why spiritual disciplines are so important. Why being in the Word of God is essential because difficulties are coming. question is not if, but when? As I say often, you don't build a business, you don't put a plan together for the best days that your business will have. You put a plan together for the what? The worst days that your business is going to have. We have to build our lives 
Not for the best that can come, but for the worst that can happen. How do you do that? How do you face the trials and the tribulations, the struggles and the grief? We're here with the Word of God. It is the only way. Being in the Word aims us, places our eyes and our attention on the Lord, and He is faithful. And we can and will weather the storms and the troubles and the griefs only with this, or we'll fall into despair. So here we are now. <laughs> That's the precursor. Are you okay? Now we're at verses 14 through 17. The importance of being grounded in the Word of God as a spiritual discipline. Just heard, it keeps our aim, and troubles are going to come. Now here it says, being grounded in the Word of God, being acquainted and familiar, having the Word dwelling in us, having a relationship with it will, number one, make you wise for salvation, it says. Number two, it's profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training up in righteousness. And number three, it will complete and equip you to serve and to live out every good work. That's a powerful thing, these three. Making you wise for salvation, the first one. That's one way of saying Scripture leads you into salvation. It gives insight and understanding about God's methods and purpose for saving you and me. We know we're saved by grace through faith, as we heard earlier from Ephesians. And Romans 10.17 tells us that faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God, Romans 10.17. So first and foremost, we need Scripture spoken to us. We, we need it so that we can keep our focus and our aim on the truth of who saved us, Jesus. Why? Because He loved us. How did He do it? Through His death and resurrection. What must we do to be saved? Believe and confess. Nothing. It's a gift. And Scripture keeps us in that truth. So we won't be tempted to believe that it's about us. That we must do something in the right way. And start chasing our tails and having it be focused on us, what we do or what we don't do. It is faith in God and the gift of Jesus that saves. And good works then flow out of the Christian in response to that salvation, in response to God's goodness. When we're in the Word of God daily and often, what that does is it keeps our aim focused. It keeps us on Jesus Christ. Being in the Word shows God's work, what God has done and accomplished for us. It tells us God's will, where God is leading us, and what God can accomplish through us. And it shows us God's ways, how God will work in us, pouring out His Spirit and leading us in Jesus Christ. Second, living out spiritual discipline of reading and being in God's Word is profitable, it says, for teaching and reproof and correction and training up in righteousness. The world comes at you hard and fast, doesn't it? Amen? Can we all nod? Because somebody next to you is feeling it and maybe feels alone in it or feels like it only happens to them and not to other people that they get under attack. The world comes at us and we can get ourselves so twisted around and turned upside down in a heartbeat. Even the most faithful can get off track find themselves anxious or doubting or overwhelmed by troubles and find themselves angry and bitter with life or with God. One of the greatest gifts 
um, that my, my daughters went to, to True Light, the little Christian school in town. It was called Max at the time. And one of the greatest gifts that the girls received by going there was memorizing verses of Scripture. Just basic knowledge of hearing and reading verses over and over and over again. At the time, I don't think they really realized or saw the full benefit of it, but Julie and I, my wife, knew what, what, that there was a foundation that was being given, right? That whatever happened later, that there was some Scripture that had been ingrained in their noggins. It's an invaluable gift. And that really became clear when Johanna, who is our oldest of four daughters, and I asked if I could share this with, with you all, and she agreed, so um, you don't have to email me. Um, she, she did consent to this. She did consent to us. In high school, Johanna went through an incredibly difficult time of anxiety where she would have these panic attacks almost on a daily and we would get phone calls from the bathroom at school. Julie or I, if she couldn't reach me, she'd call Julie. If she couldn't reach Julie, she'd reach me. And it'd be, it would be phone call after phone call until she reached somebody and she would be being in the bathroom. Overwhelmed with anxiety and worry and fear, it was a huge issue. There was no convincing her with any rational arguments. She would get to these places where she didn't believe she could breathe. We would say, you're young. Your lungs are fine. You're going to be okay. It's okay. You're not going to die. Those don't help, by the way. <laughs> so what Julie and I did was we turned to Scripture. And we started speaking over her truth. Speaking truth over the lies that were causing such anxiety. And we started having Johanna speak those truths over herself. What does Isaiah 41.10 say? Oh, we'd just go through these lists. We would talk through them. Gave her Scripture. We repeated God's truth. Portions of Scripture. Verses to counter those lies. And Johanna will tell you that this practice of claiming truth and repeating these Scriptures over her was one of the keys that helped battle her way through it. Now, did the anxiety go like poof and disappear? No. But did she make it? Yes. And a huge part of that battle was Scripture and prayer. Now, this makes a lot of sense when you remember that Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, the Apostle Paul says that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And the Greek word that Paul uses here for word, the word of it, is rema. Rema. And it literally means a series of words joined together in a sentence. A thought. And why is that significant? Because there is a weapon here for you and for me as we engage in the enemy and we deal with the things that cause us worry and fear and anxiety and bitterness and anger. You see, this isn't a book with concepts and ideas. This isn't a philosophy about how you can live your best life now. It's alive. It is active, and we can use these sayings, these truths in our battle. We have a sword. It's called the Word of God. Amen? The Word is a sword. It literally are verses of the, on the heart and tongue for the believers that we can take into the battle of life. Rema literally means pointed verses that apply to a given situation. So here's the thing. When you're in the middle of a battle, and you're under attack, and you feel defeated... To flip open the Bible and kind of point 
and you get to Matthew chapter 1, and it's the genealogy of Jesus, doesn't do you a whole lot, does it? <laughs> right? But Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, I'm your God. Strengthen you and help you, I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. So Rema, the Word of God, is a sword in the battle, is literally verses that fight back the devil's lies, that beat back the powers of darkness, that seek to undermine faith in God and life and the life of a Christian. The Word of God is our greatest weapon in the spiritual battles that we face. Other things that are helpful. I'm talking about the spiritual battles. So knowing it and being grounded in it, reading it daily, is not just a devotional life you can kind of check a box and say, I've done my Christian duty today. I've done my you know, spiritual discipline of reading the Bible. No, it's God literally speaking into you the truth of what you will need when the battles and trouble of life rear their ugly head. As Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It is alive and active. And when you read it, when you open it up, you open yourself up to being shaped. God does surgery. The Word will move you. It will divide out the garbage from the truth. It will point out death and give life. It will be your greatest weapon in the battle of anxiety and fear and doubt. It will confront the powers of darkness in this world that attack us. It is our spiritual weapon in the face of the earthly stuff that we deal with. Psalm 119, verse 105, says this truth, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. The Word is profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training up in righteousness. And maybe you're struggling too. Maybe like Johanna, you're stuck in your head and you're spinning anxious. I invite you to aim your life on Jesus Christ. I invite you to the spiritual discipline of reading and studying and memorizing the Word of God. Today, Johanna has her Master's of Social Work and Counseling, and she counsels people up in Fargo at Valley Christian Counseling, and she uses some of the very Scripture and prayers and various other, other tools to help people overcome some of the things that paralyzed her. And she still battles. Finally, the spiritual discipline of reading, studying, and memorizing God's Word will complete and equip you to serve, to live out, Every good work. When we're in God's Word, we understand our callings as Christians. We have an eternal purpose, you and I. The Word of God helps us to see and realize that God has called you with your gifts. And He can and will use us, each one of us. Our pasts, our struggles, our joys, He'll use them for His glory. As the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17-18, through 18, 2 Corinthians 5, 17-18, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We're blessed to be a blessing. We are forgiven that we might forgive. 
We are saved and called to share the good news of Jesus Christ, empowered and gifted to serve others for Jesus' sake. We have been reconciled to God in order that we might have a ministry of reconciliation, ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we read the Word of God, we are equipped and we are motivated to live out good works, to share Jesus with others. Not because we have to. Not because we, if we don't, God will punish us. Not because we're going to gain favor with God. Not to put more jewels in our crown. That doesn't exist. But because in reading the Word, we see and understand the fullness of the gift we've been given. And so we can't help but reach out to those around us to share the good news of God with them. So how's your faith? How's your faith walk? Do you, want, do you want to know the Lord more? To understand His goodness and grace deeper? Do you want to know your purpose and understand your gifts? I invite you to aim your heart, your mind, and your life at the truth Jesus Christ. Come and read and dive into God's Word if you've never opened the Bible, I would invite you to begin with the Gospel of John. It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There are four Gospels. Gospel simply means good news. The four Gospels talk about Jesus Christ. And I'd invite you to read the Gospel of John. In John, you'll discover the truth of who Jesus is. And you'll see just how much He loves you. You'll understand more clearly the nature and character of God the Father as you experience the love of Jesus His Son. A love that is poured out through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you want some songs and prayers and insights on how you can deal with the struggles of life, I'd invite you to turn to the book of Psalms. It's almost in the middle of your Bible. The book of Psalms is in the Old Testament. And you'll find in the book of Psalms these prayers and songs that the people of God sang, many of them written by King David, the king of Israel at the time. And they capture all the moods, the ups and downs, the joys and the struggles of life. The Psalms can really give voice or show a way that you can wrestle with God. You know that God's big enough to take your anger? You can call out to Him in disappointment and you can praise Him in great joy. One thing I'd like to encourage you not to do is this. Flip your Bible open, ask a question of God, and point your fingers out. Instead, I'd love to deepen your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I invite you to come to Bible studies, to join a life group, to grab a devotional, to do daily reading, a spiritual discipline of diving into the Word of God. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. I'll suggest the version that you can get. If you can't afford one, I'll give you one. We will give you one, I should say. There there's no greater, no better instrument, tool, or weapon for life than opening up the Word of God. It will transform you. I promise you. Can I get a testimony for that? It will transform you. And that isn't just something that I'm promising. It's something that God promises right here in Isaiah 55, verse 11, where it says, So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, God says. It will accomplish that which I purpose and will succeed in the thing for which I sent it. 
And what does God desire to do as He speaks the Word and sends it into our life? To save us. To fill us. To send us. To be the God of hope. Of salvation and life. God's Word will produce fruit. It will create that faith, hope. and It will. Lost? Or stuck? Are you confused or longing for a greater purpose and understanding of who you are, of whose you are? Do you want to know the One who created you and all that we can see and sense and know? Then I invite you to come and dive into the Word of God with us. And I know you will be renewed. You will be filled. You will be corrected. And you will be encouraged. You will find life and hope and peace and salvation. So come and dive with us into the good news. The living Word of God. Come with us. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that this isn't a book of of uh, rules and philosophies. This isn't a 10-step to a better life. This is literally Your living Word. Your very presence in us. The Holy Spirit confirming truth. So would You pour out Your Spirit that gives understanding of Your Word? Would You fill us to overflowing? Would You clear space in our day and in our life to open up the Word? And then help us to see day in and day out Your faithfulness. The ways that You answer prayer. The ways that You do draw near and provide. The ways that You comfort and correct and fill. Lord, open our eyes to these truths and to the power at work as we together read the living Word. Your living Word for us. Pour Your Spirit out. Transform our hearts and minds and the hearts and minds of this congregation. Fill us, Lord, and send us into the world with Your good news. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say,